like to drink coffee, you'd rather have tea But we both like hot beverages and we take them very seriously So let's sit at the table and take some time to be Welcome to Different Together, a podcast that explores the spaces between different communities and imagines building new ones together. I'm Rebecca Farlow. And I'm Justin Lee. I had to do it differently. <laughs> Hi. That's okay. <laughs> because it's come to our attention mm. that we talk about heavy things all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and when Justin and I talk normally, we don't always talk about heavy things all the time. So we thought today... We do all the time. Yeah, all the time. Usually there are some heavy things, but there's also lighter things. <laughs> so today <laughs> we thought, given our one word topics, that the topic of mystery would be fun mm. to, to talk about, specifically uh, mystery stories. But I think, you know, that's a broad concept that we could we can dig into a little bit if we want to, or we can just keep it light. <laughs> <laughs> But as you might recall in a previous episode, Justin talked about his love of Clue mm. the mis and mysteries as a child. And I, too, uh, grew up loving mysteries. My daughter currently is really into a the A to Z mysteries for children, which has been super fun. And I actually did write a mystery novel a few years ago, a young adult mystery novel. So... Yeah, Which something. I was not aware of and have not read. Really? Uh, you Well, you should read it and uh, tell me what you think. But yeah, it's called Scavenger Hunt. Oh. Um, and yeah, it was super fun. Really enjoyed the process of creating it. Because mysteries, I don't know. They just draw us in. Uh, I always want to know... What happens still my I, I like a lot of different genres of books, but that's still probably my favorite. And I was mentioning to you, Justin, earlier that particularly I love Sherlock Holmes. I've read all the original stories. I've listened um actually I listened to them on audiobooks when I was pregnant. So maybe that's why my daughter <laughs> really loves mysteries. <laughs> Just kidding. But I love adaptations of those stories, too. And if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan at all, you may be aware that authors liberally borrow from the story and have made tons and tons of different retellings uh, or reimaginings of, of just about any kind you could think of. And, and I continually find new ones or ones that I haven't come across before, and I'll still read them because I still find them entertaining and I love the creativity and kind of the enduring nature of that character and what people can do with it. Hmm. Plus, I just, I don't know, I like reading about that particular period of history, I think, in, in England for some reason. It's just interesting to me. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you are a, I think you're probably a bigger, I, I, I am also a huge mystery fan. I think you're probably a bigger Holmes fan than I am. I'm, I'm familiar with Holmes. I've read a number of the Holmes stories. Oh, do you want to tell everybody what you're showing me right now? <laughs> I just took down, um, this is, I have a little stuffed Sherlock Holmes that sits above my desk. I just took it down to show Justin. I did not know this was going to be show and tell. All right, well, I will have <laughs> I will have a show and tell thing <laughs> okay. that you can see and no one else can see in, in, in just a few minutes. Okay. Uh, 
because <laughs> because I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. But uh, <laughs> so you're clearly a bigger Holmes fan than I am. Not that I don't like Holmes, just I never got as much into Holmes as, as, mm-hmm. as you have. So I'm really interested to hear your take on Holmes and and all that. But I I think it's easy for those of us who are mystery fans, it's easy to forget that mystery, the detective story, as we think about it, and we think about mysteries mm-hmm. these days, is a fairly young genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of human history, mm-hmm. there are kinds of stories that, you know, go back for for many, many, many generations. And the mystery story in the form that we think of it today, uh, the, the detective story, is fairly young. And Holmes was hugely influential, as you mm-hmm. say, in so many of the the, the writers that came after uh, were, were very influenced by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and, mm-hmm. and the Sherlock Holmes character. My favorite mystery writer, the the one who I am obsessed with, is Agatha Christie. Ah, uh, yes. I'm a big fan, too. So growing up, I read everything Agatha Christie I could get my hands on, and... Her most famous detective. Now, when I was a kid, I loved Miss Marple. Miss Marple was was my favorite. Miss Marple rocks, yeah. Uh, it took me a, a little longer to get into Poirot, but Poirot is her most famous <laughs> mm-hmm. detective. And also, like Holmes, has been reinterpreted in a lot of different ways. Like, the depiction of Poirot in the, the most recent Hollywood films with Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. I've seen that one. I haven't seen Death on the Nile yet. Yeah, you know, it's... They're they're divisive for Christie fans because it's a very different depiction of Poirot than mm-hmm. the one that, uh, for most Poirot fans today, I think is the most famous and is my favorite is David Suchet's Poirot in the BBC Poirot mm-hmm. series, mm-hmm. who's a, who you know is portrayed very differently, and in many ways I think truer to the novels, although you know it. It's a it's character in a yeah. It's always open yes. to, to interpretation. <laughs> but but Poirot, the reason I, I brought up Poirot is Poirot was very much influenced by Holmes mm-hmm. when Christie sat down to. I mean, now she influences so many mystery writers. Mm-hmm. But when when she sat down to write her first mystery novel, uh, she built on the formula mm-hmm. that Doyle had created with with this very sort of eccentric uh, mm-hmm. detective who's being written about by a friend who's chronicling his adventures. And so, you know, with Holmes, you have Watson. Mm-hmm. And Poirot, although very different from Holmes, follows in those same footsteps and has mm-hmm. his friend Hastings writing mm-hmm. his stories. And it's she doesn't try to disguise it at all. It's very clear. Oh, yeah, this right. is a Holmes-type character, you know. Mm-hmm. And he grew into his own thing over time. But, yeah, Holmes, hugely influential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I think, current favorite, well, I just started a young adult series. Actually, it's, it's I guess it's classified as middle grade. But anyway, I just, um, I'm currently reading a series by, let me find the author, Nancy Springer, who is writing about Sherlock Holmes's imagined younger sister, like <laughs> much younger. And those have been really fun. But my, I think my favorite, like, reinterpretation of them is by Sherry Thomas, who imagines Holmes as a woman, but in the same time period. 
and very much explores what that really would have been like because she would not have been able to to solve things as a woman. Nobody would have come to her. So she, you know, they have this whole thing where she pretends like she's Sherlock Holmes's sister, but you know he doesn't exist. It's just her. Hmm. And she had there's a Watson character who's also a woman and who is um, kind of a surrogate mother almost to her. And it's just they're very very well done. And I. There's a lot of interesting things. I, a lot of female authors will explore feminist ideas with these kind of in these contexts because again, there's so much you can point out about how wrong things were at that time for women, <laughs> but you can also parallel it to today. And so I I appreciate that. Lori R. King has a really long long-standing awesome series where she imagines Sherlock Holmes has a female partner who's again much younger but just because of how the story lands and she she goes into all kinds of really interesting historical things so yeah I mean I could go on and on and on but those are (laughs) good that concept of Holmes not really existing and having a, a, this woman who's the real detective who's passing herself off as the sister of the the real male right. detective who doesn't exist makes me think of a series, a TV series from back in the day, really cheesy, but kind of fun TV series from back in the day, Remington Steel, which starred Pierce Brosnan, okay. um, you know, Pre, pre-Bond days, uh-huh. but it was a similar kind of uh, conceit where the the real detective was uh, w- a woman who, in order to, uh, to be legitimized by the sort of sexist folks mm-hmm. out there, passed herself off as, as working with this imaginary character, Remington Steele, and then people wanted to know, people wanted to meet the, the guy. Right. The, the Remington Steel, and so she hires this guy to to play Remington Steel, but you uh-huh. know, and then everybody's looking to him for the answers, and he doesn't know anything. That's funny. Uh, I haven't thought about that series in forever. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody in our audience is going, "Yes, I remember that." Remington Steel. <laughs> um, that's really funny. Fun fact: I'm adding this in as I edit this episode because it has occurred to me that the Sherry Thomas series which reminded Justin of Remington Steele, also has a character named Remington in it. So I I don't know if she did that on purpose or not, but it wouldn't surprise me. And now back to our discussion where I'm still describing Sherry Thomas's Sherlock adaptation. And one of the things I really appreciate about the story is the men never question that her brother, who is supposed to be so... The story is... He's been injured and can't see anyone. So he's in this side room and Mm. she goes in there to talk to him (laughs) and find out what he thinks and then comes back out. And so when she gets female clients, a lot of them end up being like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, there's no one in that room. Mm. Whereas the men are never question it with, with some exception or there's, you know, there's this development of kind of the Lestrade character the police uh, character who helps and how his, how he evolves from thinking she's like the most disgraceful woman in the world to learning who she really is. And then being shocked by that and then coming to appreciate her. Cause the other piece of the story is she lives in that society where she's kind of 
upper middle class, but her parents don't actually have that much money, so they want to marry her off. And she doesn't want to get married because she doesn't have any rights and she doesn't, there's nobody that she wants to marry. And so to <laughs> preclude that, she ends up just sleeping with somebody to like, ru- you know, quote unquote, ruin herself. <laughs> That's at the <laughs> very beginning of the story. <laughs> because to her, that was the logical thing to do. It's because no, nobody would want to, you know, then she wouldn't be marryable. <laughs> Hmm. And so that automatically makes her like this disgraced woman. And I know it's ridiculous, but I mean, that's how it would have been. And, and the Watson character is a former actress, which she spends a lot of time detailing how that also actually would have made her not a res- quote unquote respectable woman. Like, hmm. uh, so there's just, there's a lot of layers. And I realized this whole episode was going to be about Sherry Thomas's. <laughs> Sherlock, but it's, I love those books. They, mm-hmm. There's a lot of layers to them. Well, I'm, I'm holding myself back now from <laughs> continuing, like, <laughs> continuing down that line because we're going to get back to the subject of I the know. earlier episode, and know. you know, if we're going to keep this, we're going to keep this light. But this, it no. really is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we could do a whole episode probably talking about <laughs> one of the things that you just said, and I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you should I, you should i don't think we should stop ourselves we can't, <laughs> we can't help it you guys this is just how it happens this is how it goes well I, I, it, on the subject of mysteries it's I, i'm curious do you have well specifically holmes do you have a favorite to depiction of holmes in popular culture including you know i'm going to include in that Holmes-like characters that are not officially mm, Holmes, like right. like detective, detective. De- I don't know why I said detective. <laughs> doctor, Doctor House, you mm, know House mm. MD, who is clearly Holmes as a doctor. I mean, or that's the whole Agent Pendergast in these Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child books. That I'm not. I read. Fr- I'm not. They're familiar. they're thrillers. Um, they've written a ton of them, and they're Agent Pendergast character is very much like a modern imagining of Holmes. Okay. All right. They don't, they don't hide it at all. <laughs> so, so including those sorts of, you know, do you have a favorite depiction of Holmes? And also do you have a favorite in the actual Holmes books? Do you have a favorite story? A favorite That's a great story? question. And I should have been prepared to answer it. Um, <laughs> it's okay if you don't. <laughs> um, well, I did really enjoy the Benedict Cumberbatch ones i thought those were really well done and really interesting um i liked his i liked that series take on moriarty he was an interesting character mm -hmm. yeah it really was um as is probably abundantly clear i really enjoy the sherry thomas charlotte holmes really yeah (laughs) i mean are you surprised um those are the two that probably jump first to mind for me I, I don't often come across a depiction of Holmes that I, I don't like. I think it's interesting when you they take some of the character traits attributed to Holmes and Watson in the original stories and then sprinkle them amongst a bunch of different characters as opposed mm. to just kind of making them maybe like clones. I have aspirations myself of writing a Holmes-like character <laughs> sometime, so... Uh, yeah, and in terms of the actual stories themselves, I got this awesome illustrated Sherlock Holmes 
from Barnes & Noble not that long ago. I talked to my daughter a lot about Sherlock Holmes, and I wanted one that had, like, pictures and stuff. Mm. I did start reading one to her, but she thought it was kind of boring, which is fine. <laughs> Gosh. When I listen, I, I like to listen to audiobooks when I exercise. So that was my most recent going through of all the stories was listening to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to always, like, remember which one's which. I mean, I like the Irene Adler story because, you know, I like how she gets the best of him. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which this uh, this series, the younger sister it's her name's enola holmes mysteries that i'm reading right now actually makes a pretty big point of the fact that actually sherlock and mycroft holmes are pretty sexist (laughs) but they don't think a lot of women the the premise of that story is she's supposed to only be like 14 but she's on her own and trying to hide from them in london and she's just as smart as they are so she can't (laughs) but they think that she you know can't she can't do anything because she's a woman. And so part of that story is also Sherlock sort of coming around to realize maybe he's wrong. Yeah. I'd have to get back to you on like, I know the speckled band is a really famous one and that's, you know, that's one I enjoy. I saw a, uh, a movie or a TV version of the speckled band when I was a kid Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember enough about it to be able to tell you, you know, what 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 the the production of it, like you know, who mm-hmm. who made it or or or, or, or identify it was from this series or or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I I remember I think I was too young to see it because I was so creeped out by it. <laughs> I yeah. love mysteries even as a kid, but mm-hmm. the I, I watched it late at night and it was like <laughs> I couldn't sleep afterwards. Right. Yeah. I mean sometimes they hit you that way. It's funny because when I think of Holmes, that's the one I always think of is the Speckled Band. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's the one they had us read in like high school too. Mm. That might have been the first one I read then because I don't think I would have read it before then. That one's just fun because it's. I mean, it's not fun because they're all kind of sad, right? <laughs> but, but it's just that was a nice turn that you're not expecting. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, you know. I obviously don't just read Sherlock Holmes. I I like a lot of mysteries, but I have found over the years that I gravitate more now towards mysteries that really explore kind of, I'm less into thrillers now and more into still really enjoy Agatha Christie, not a thriller. I mean, I still enjoy that kind of mystery, but I, I really like the ones that also dig a little deeper and explore kind of the psychological impacts. Like if this really happened, what would it be like? Hmm. And a couple of my favorites who write really amazing books that are more like that are Tana French and Elizabeth George, which if you've not read either of them, I mean, the writing is just beautiful. And Elizabeth George has even said, I mean, her books are like seven or 800 pages long. And she's like, you know, I just, I use the mystery as like a framework to kind of just explore like what is happening in the lives of all these people. And so I've I've enjoyed them a lot. And go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's something that's interesting, that mysteries, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, mysteries Mm -hmm. can be a framework for all sorts of different genres. So, Mm -hmm. as you say, you can have a a mystery where 
the mystery is just a just the mystery is the hook. Yeah, to just, get the, yeah mm-hmm. yeah to get the audience to to you know get the audience involved while you explore the lives of these characters or while you, you explore social mm-hmm. issues or while you tell an interesting story that you hope will you know continue to immerse folks beyond the solving of the mystery which sometimes right. works and sometimes doesn't i think about right. the 90s tv series twin peaks which opened with a a murder mystery mm-hmm. of a you know a dead woman who's discovered and then you know this question who killed laura palmer is this mm-hmm. mystery mm-hmm. and the intent was to use that mystery to hook the audience into the lives of these very eccentric characters in this weird mm-hmm. place and what seemed to end up happening although there's a cult following still for that that series mm-hmm. which then got revived recently you know for a little bit mm-hmm. th- the general audience i think got frustrated with it because the mystery was just being dragged on and on and on mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people didn't realize at the time that the mystery was never supposed to be the point and for people who wanted to see a really weird series, it was a weird series. But if you were mm-hmm. there for the mystery, the mystery kind of faded into the background. And, you know, so it didn't really work as well as I think they wanted. Right. But you can use a mystery for, you know, a lot of thriller mysteries, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are very action-packed. Christie, Agatha Christie mysteries tend to be that sort of cozy mystery where mm-hmm. it's very... For being about murder almost every time, uh, it's a fairly (laughs) bloodless sort of mystery where we don't dwell too much on how a death actually impacts the characters beyond the amount that you need to to have a, you know, a story. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, It's more about... Her ability, though, I think her ability to convey some of that psychological stuff in such a short format was actually incredible. Yeah, I was just actually about to say, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I may be going too far in how I'm mm-hmm. describing sort of this cozy mystery for Christy because she, she actually did. You're right, she did deal with a lot of the psychology. But I've never seen anybody things. else do that like her because I mean her books are not that long, and so and you, but she does. It is interesting how she's able to still kind of plumb those depths. I think that's true. Often though, in her stories and the stories that follow her format her formula the while psychology i think she was great with using psychology in her depictions of her characters it's she wasn't i think as focused on making sure that the that the mystery was realistic Mm -hmm. Uh, and i and i my sense is this was true of some of the Holmes stories as well. Oh yeah, it's not as much about whether it's realistic. I mean, I'm thinking of the Speckled Band, but but whether it's an interesting story, right? Is it an interesting mind puzzle? Mind puzzle. Makes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I've always loved that. One of the things I I really like about Christie's stories is that um, most of the time, with you know, with her best stories. If you are paying close attention, you can solve them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's not always true, but mm-hmm. but but it, with her best ones, at the end when the solution is revealed, if you've been paying attention, you you but but if you haven't figured it out, you go, mm-hmm. 
oh, okay, you know, mm. the clues were there. Right. Uh, you know, I I just saw um, on Apple TV Plus, mm-hmm. there's a series, The After Party, uh, mm-hmm. which is a mystery series. Uh, there have been two really fun kind of comedy mystery series uh, on streaming in the last year. One was The After Party. The other was uh, Only Murders in the Building. You told me that. I need to still watch that one. Only Murders in the Building it was probably my favorite of the two just because it's funny. It's Steve Martin and, and Martin mm-hmm. Short and, you know. But they do uh, try to, like, have the clues there so that, you know, you can go back and say, ah, you know. But I think that... While I really, I probably enjoyed that series the most, the one that I think does the best job of actually putting the clues out there for you is The Mm -hmm. After Party, which is um, a series where they, every episode is a different character telling the story of the events of the Mm -hmm. night of the, of the the murder. Yeah, yeah. And if you pay very close attention you can actually solve it. I did not mm-hmm. solve it, I will tell you, but you can actually <laughs> solve it mm-hmm. because if you if you're very careful about paying attention to the whatever, you know, the stories that everybody mm-hmm. tells, the inconsistencies and and so forth can can lead you to the solution. And there are also hidden clues in each episode. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating how they how they did it. And each person tells the story in the genre of a different film. So one person tells the story as if it were like a fast and furious type film. And another person Mm -hmm. tells it as if it were a musical and so forth. So it's actually a fun, it's a fun watch, even if you don't solve the, the mystery, Mm -hmm. but I like, I like stories where I feel like I have a chance to solve it, but where, but I like to be fooled too. Yeah. Well, that's the real trick. If it becomes too obvious too early. Yeah. And yeah, sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, you're Um, Go ahead. Like the thing that, yeah, Agatha Christie was so good at was putting the clues there, but also hiding them. And it's so hard to do that well. And that's sometimes I think why I've started to enjoy these longer and more in-depth mysteries too, is because um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention also Robert Galbraith, who's one mm. of my favorites. Have you read? Those are J.K. Rowling's mysteries. Um, I have not. There, there's there. I would I would put them in the category with Tana French and Elizabeth George. Like they're hefty and like very, very in depth. And she's really good at putting all the clues there. And but that you still would be like, oh, <laughs> because it's just. Yeah, like, especially the latest one. It was called Troubled Blood. It was so good. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, you did put these clues there. But I just didn't, you know. Uh, and, you know, she did that with Harry Potter, too. That Which is brings us back to your earlier point of the mystery genre that we think of it is not that old. But people have been storytelling always. And I think myst- that mystery aspect has probably always been a part of it because that is just one of the things that we look for to kind of anchor ourselves. So whether it's, it may not be like a detective walking around, so, you know, solving clues, but the, the hidden pieces of the story, I mean, you know, you don't tell a story all at once. You have to, you have to let it unfold and there have to be pieces that keep you hanging on. Yeah. I think if I, if I remember correctly, it was, um, 
what's often thought of as the birth of the modern detective story was Edgar Allan Poe's version mm-hmm. of Room Work. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Holmes, by creating this this character who sees these, you know, sort of walks us through the solution of, I saw this and I saw this and I saw mm-hmm. this and that's how I deduced, you know, right. was, yeah, as we said, hugely influential. And, and then one of the things I think Agatha Christie added with her Poirot and Marple and other stories, because mm-hmm. some of some yeah, of her like, really great ones. I like her standalone, like the man in the brown suit. I really like. You haven't read that one. You may just not remember. I don't. I've certainly not read all of her stuff. But uh, my probably my favorite Christie is, uh, and then there were none. Yes, um, which is a fun one that doesn't <sighs> feature. And so good. Uh, um, I uh, I recently read one that. I don't know how I had not read as a kid. Uh, why didn't they ask Evans? Which I read that recently too. And then they yeah. just they, there's there there's a, a there's... series out now, mm-hmm. a limited series, which I haven't seen yet, but I want to. The, I said earlier I was going to have show and tell. Here's my show and oh. tell, which people listening can't can't see. <laughs> this um, a very worn, thick paperback book, which I'm I'm holding up, is. Uh, one of the books that I've kept from my youth. Mm-hmm. It is a book that I'm sure is long out of print because now all this information you would find on the internet, but it was called The Agatha Christie Companion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it this is a book from the 80s. How many pages is this? 500 pages going through every one of her novels and short stories and sort of breaking them all down in terms of, you know, here's the the background of, of when this was written. Here's the brief mm-hmm. plot summary without spoilers. And mm-hmm. here's, uh, you know, what reviewers at the time said about about this and all this. And mm-hmm. I, I used this to help me figure out, you know, what to read when. Nice. And, um, yeah, so I... I it, there are a lot of interesting things. I, I could bore you with Christie trivia, and I won't. <laughs> It wouldn't um, bore me. I don't know if it would bore our listeners. <laughs> I, I'll tell you one one really interesting little bit of trivia that I love, which is Poirot, who, you know, is, again, Christie's most famous detective. She really did not want people continuing writing Poirot stories the way that, that happened with, with Sherlock Holmes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when sort of when she was at the peak of her career, you know, because a lot of she wrote. She was so prolific that mm-hmm. that critics now will say, you know, there are good Christie books and there are not as good Christie books. Right. You know, which just happens when you write as much as she yeah. did, you know, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of folks feel like when she was at the peak, she was writing just amazing stuff that has really stood mm-hmm. the test of time that, uh, and I, I think I interrupted myself earlier. I don't think I said what I was going to say about her, which is that one of the things that she added to the whole detective genre is really putting spins on who can, you know, what can be the solution. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of murder mysteries today that you think of as having a super clever solution, like, Mm -hmm. ah, you know, the one solution you would never think of, many of them she did that first because she really, you know, she she took it beyond. uh, Yeah, I I think about ending stuff sometimes. I'm like, well, I mean, she did that with, it, it specifically, and then there were none, and the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Well, uh, so many of hers. And yeah, I mean, 
so many of hers, she she came up with really clever solutions. Mm-hmm. And I don't even want to list out what the kinds of clever solutions right. she came yeah, up with no. were because it, you know, would spoil it. But yeah, mm-hmm. but she um, but anyways, a lot of her most clever stories are sort of in the middle of her career when she mm-hmm. was at the peak. And at that time, she wrote a final Poirot novel mm-hmm. and had it locked away mm-hmm. until to be published posthumously mm-hmm. and uh, so so she has this one Poirot novel in which he's old and and dying and and has mm-hmm. one final mystery to solve before he dies yeah and uh, it's called curtain and it's I read that uh, one pretty recently yeah yeah and it, it, and so mm-hmm. that's uh it's interesting because after these you know she had been kind of declining in quality towards the end of her life and then there's this mm-hmm. book published that she had written right. way earlier in which she kills off her main you know, detective. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I also show and tell for, you know, for our podcast. I don't, I don't know if you can see this, but I have on my shelf. I mean, I can see books. I can't tell what they are. So these giant things are not actually books. Uh, if you, anybody who's watched any of my, uh, recent youtube videos if you pay close attention over on the right side of my shelf you can see these four what look like large bound volumes in different colors and they are in fact games they are sherlock (gasps) holmes games this is a um it's sherlock holmes consulting detective and if you are a big mystery fan and and you like trying to solve mysteries yourself these uh they're a little pricey but it's it, it there's uh there are these boxes that come with all of this stuff and there are like 10 cases in here that you can solve and you try to solve the case as fast as Holmes would solve it and of course you never can but right. uh they come with like a map of London and mm-hmm. a, a newspaper of the day and a booklet, and you choose how to spend your time. Who do you want to interview? Where do you want to mm-hmm. go? And you can use the clues from the the different pieces of, of data that you have to mm-hmm. um, to try to nice. figure out how to spend your time because you can't interview everybody. You don't have time. So <laughs> I'm disappointed that when you pulled that off the shelf, a secret passage didn't open. <laughs> <laughs> But I love to solve a good mystery because it is, there's something about brain puzzles to me that you always want it to be tricky enough that it's not obvious, that it's a challenge, Mm -hmm. but not so tricky that it's not possible. It's nice to be able to solve it occasionally and then you know, most of the time be fooled and think, ah, it was right in front mm-hmm. of me. That's, you know, I like that. That level I like history. it when I, yeah, when I can get it down to like two or three people that I'm like, I could, I see why it would be this, this or this, but I'm not sh- positive. And so then, you know, at the reveal, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool. Well, maybe I'll put a list um, of some of these suggestions on the website where you can also support the podcast at com slash podcast. <laughs> um, thanks for listening with us today. 
Uh, if you like what you hear, tell a friend, and we will see you next time. <laughs>